Mac Football Pod. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. Speaking of thanks for listening, uh, Caleb, how was your Thanksgiving, man? That's pretty decent. Um, got out this week and, you know, not exactly Thanksgiving things, but like around this time of year is when everybody does like their holiday tournaments for basketball. And since I write for a basketball website, I uh, got out watching girls basketball, watched a boys game or two, went out and supported my, some of my kids who play football at the school I teach at and watched them wrestle. Um, relatively took it easy. Otherwise kind of went to some cocktail bars with friends over the last couple of days. That's been fun. Uh, roommate and I made some Thanksgiving, uh, uh, late early dinner, or late lunch, whatever, and made some good stuff. A friend of ours came over. We had a Friendsgiving, played some games, went and got drinks. It's all around pretty good time. So, it was, so it was chill with the friends Thanksgiving, not rush back home to Ohio yeah. and spend it with the family yeah. and rush back. Yeah, and my parents went to uh, Florida. They wanted to take advantage of the extra days off to there go, go somewhere warm. There you I go. Don't blame, yeah, don't blame them at all for that. You have been raised right by them leaving you on Thanksgiving as an adult. <laughs> They're like, get your shit together. You can do your own thing. Yeah, like, look what we'll we could do. We'll see you at All Christmas. it takes is just a lifetime of hard work and getting an 18-year-old out of the house. Yeah, and then i got to take care of them when they're old. We'll figure that out later. That's right, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, and then once it comes time to you wiping their ass, buddy, you'll be there. Remember all those times we left you on vacation? <laughs> I had enchiladas. We'll leave you, we'll leave you the timeshare. <laughs> uh, speaking of timeshare, uh, I don't know, man. That's the worst That's the worst transition I have into talking about Ford Field. <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, it's Mac Championship Week, though. We do have to speed this podcast up. It's Sunday afternoon. We have things to do. Um, but I do want to put that timestamp in there just in case we finish this off with like a little bit of coaching bowl game conversations. And by the time you hear this, perhaps on Monday, things might be outdated, which is fine. I don't care. Uh, but the championship game, we won't know the results of that until Saturday, not Friday. Sometimes it's Friday night. This time it's Saturday the 4th noon. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a rematch. Uh, not the first time a rematch has happened in the MAC championship game. Uh, but before we get into the nooks and crannies of all that, excitement level for you, Caleb, on a scale of uh, zero being Akron Toledo and 10 being uh, the best Kent State NIU championship game since 2012. Uh, I, I'm guessing that this will be the best NIU Kent State championship game. Um, it had- it could be Since argued that this will be the best <laughs> Mac championship game of all time. It could be argued. Uh, I would expect that this should be a really good game. Um, I would not suspect that NIU is going to be as unprepared defensively as they were for Kent State last time. Uh, I think it was very easy to expect Kent State to have a lot of offensive success against the Huskies the first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if but if uh, the Huskies don't figure out some some fixes this time around, then it's just like okay, well, you were a good team that won close games, but you're not a championship caliber team. But the the flip side of the coin is championship caliber teams find a way to win games. And they won what seven MAC games or I'm sorry, six MAC games by single digits, right? So all of their MAC wins, I believe, were single digit victories. So. Uh, no matter how much you win by, if you're winning and you're in the championship game, you you did what you were supposed to do, regardless of what happened before. They ended up with a negative uh, scoring differential, and they're in the MAC championship game, 
which just again goes to show you what the Mac West is like and how difficult it is. A lot of years to get out of it. Yeah, and at still, first I was like, yeah. oh, that's just overall because they got smoked by Michigan so early in the year. And nope, they're exactly they have scored exactly one point fewer in conference play than they have uh, scored for. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. 253 points for, 254 points against the Huskies in Mac play. And this is the best team that we have to offer. And it's not a bad team. Like, this is actually, like, it will always be better than what we expect it to be. And that's, like, oh, my yep. God. It's so good. But that's that's the craziest stat. That right there. What you just said. <laughs> the points for, points against. That NIU is still trailing. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, maybe you catch them at a different time of the year. Maybe Central Michigan's the better team. Honestly, I, I think uh, it was, like, over at Hustle Belt, James had, had said that, uh, he had voted for Central to be the higher team in the power rankings. And I got what he was saying, that Central Michigan looks like the better team right now. It's like, but dude, NIU won. NIU has the better record and won. Uh, James Mendes for the bowl committee. I know, and I, I gave him shit for it. He was kind of just like, yeah, well, but who looks better now? And I'm like, literally, you're giving the Ohio State bullshit argument or the, you know, whoever bullshit argument for uh, the championship. So results don't matter. It's like, People saying, I've, I've now seen the argument, like, yeah, Ohio State has two losses, but we know they're better than Cincinnati. It's like, do you know that? Do you know that Cincinnati wouldn't just, like, beat them by a point? You don't fucking know that. Results matter. So results matter. Previous results matter. Previous results in this MAC championship game say that Kent State should beat NIU, right? Because Kent State and NIU did meet up this year. High-scoring high affair, 52-47, I believe, was the final score. Let me look on here. Uh, I don't have it in my notes. I'm an idiot. Uh, I think that was the final score. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. But is that going to be exactly what happens this time around? I can't imagine so. I mean, if you're NIU, you're thinking, like, yes, we had some offensive success through the air against these guys last time. 500 but, passing yards. Yeah, a lot. But – you cannot beat Kent State by outshooting it. Like, it's possible. It's just the odds are not in your favor. So why would you try to outgun them through the air? Um, Dustin Crum in that offense is going to score 70 if you get in a game where each of you have 14, 15 possessions. So, and then Cooper obviously had a really good game last time too, and that's totally not out of the realm of possibility for him to do that again. Mm -hmm. So just run the damn ball. Like, Ducker's been playing amazing, and – Brown has it's become the complimentary back of sorts, really. And you're getting what you want up front a lot of the time. I mean, NIU last time kind of just gave up when they didn't pick up six or seven yards on first down. They just didn't run the ball again. And they would just, you know, they would mm -hmm. sling it. It's like, okay, it works to an extent, but don't try and out shoot them. Like, yeah, well, yeah, only start really throwing the ball in your head. And, like, that sounds stupid, but, like, that's actually a really smart move for NIU, honestly, if, like, the run efficiency is there. Uh, I think for NIU preparation wise, like we came into the season down on NIU because, you know, 88 yeah. freshmen on the roster. Right. And they've proven that wrong. And last but, year they didn't have an identity. There was no identity about the way they played. Winless, winless season, more freshmen than scholarship players. How do you not pick against them? It's just the math is there for you. Uh, leading up to that Kent State game, it was going to be, you know, you know, obviously NIU's at that point was like four and oh four and one something like that they were doing really well for themselves but how are they going to do now against kent state they proved well hey we're still the same kent state we have that we still like are carrying that identity for now our fourth year with sean lewis 
you know, we got experience across the offense. We got veteran guys at receiver too. Like Dante Sivas is like twice the player that he used to be, so on and such forth. You know, NIU, they have to prepare for that with their scout team of like the freshmen that didn't make the starting lineups. You know what I mean? And so it's very hard for them to emulate speed, 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 speed at like 25 different spots. I'm including the kickers and punters and the holders in this too. You know, there's a lot of speed to be had for Kent State. And NIU just hasn't been able to see that until that game. So hopefully that experience helps. Hopefully, you know, them seeing like Western down the stretch, even though that they're basically like half-assing it with their second team and Rocky Lombardi had a fake injury, you know, hopefully that experience pays off for NIU because they can see like how things go wrong. They've seen it multiple times. And I try to use that as like, Hey, those are two learning experiences, but that could also be like, Hey, no, like, let's just like, let's just accept the fact that NIU is going to be waxed in those positions. And that might actually be the difference here. So yes, experience helps, but you, you know how the movie's going to end the third time around too. And that might be the problem here is that, even though that they know what's coming at them this time, they still might not be able to stop it. Even if they put up a great fight with all their other pieces, even if Rocky Lombardi comes through, even if Rudolph comes through, even if Rakovich comes through, even if Ducker yeah. runs well, still I might not be enough. I think if NIU wins this game, it's going to be... I don't think they're going to want to shoot up again. Like it's it's not like I'm saying anything revelatory here. It got it has to be like 33-27. Like even that, yeah, even that's fine. Uh, they need to they need to have some like seven minute drives, and frankly, they're built to do that. Like you've seen uh, drives this year. You look at the, you can look at their play by play, and it'll be like Ducker five yards, Lombardi six yard run, uh, two yard dump down pass for a first down, or uh, three yards, five yards, eight yards, eleven yards, two yards, four yards, and they can do that. They need to have several of those drives. They can't just do it once and then think, okay, we got to open up the playbook. Again, I'm not sitting here like claiming to know what they need to do better than that. They see the film. They know better than I ever will. Mm-hmm. But you also can't fall into the trap of outthinking yourself. Mm-hmm. And coaches do it. Like, like I, you know, me over here, freaking lowly paid high school football coach, like overthinks the things that I think our team should do sometimes. And I'm like, oh, well, that was stupid of me. Why did I think that we should do that? Like, I don't get to make those calls. That's why somebody else makes those calls. Yeah, no, um, but it makes but, sense, though. Like, if this game goes into the 40s, 50s, this is a Sean Lewis game, and we're in his zone. If this game, like, stays right, in the 20s, stays zone, in the baby. low 30s, this is a hammock game. And we love when hammock's in his zone. Right, in his Q zone, baby. Um, but, I mean, look. There are teams in the MAC that can shoot with Ken. You look back a couple weeks ago, Central Michigan ran the ball with authority. Lou Nichols just, you know, eh, 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 over and over, beat him. Central beat him fifty-four thirty. Um, you know, Miami ran with him a little bit, but still, you know, didn't get the best of him. I'm looking at the box score because I didn't even watch the game. I got to watch like a few highlights, but that was really pretty much it. Uh, you know, Crumb threw the ball over the field. Gabbert threw the ball over the field again. And so, yeah, like we know there's a recipe for it. Like you can throw the ball. You can run the ball against Kent. That is no secret. Akron couldn't for some reason, but I don't know. That's Akron. Everybody else can. Everybody else has proven that they can move the ball against Kent State. 
we all know you can move the ball whether you throw it or you run it. It's just it's going to be more conducive to you winning a title if you slow the game down and maintain possession much longer than how you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, same, same, same. Yeah, yeah, you brought up the Miami Kent State game. That two point conversion at the very end of the game, which I know you didn't see, and I know I did see because I was watching it from just my the highlights. Side. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, well. Watched, I watched a lot of it on my cell phone in the car, which is, you know, the future. It's the future these days. Uh, that was an amazing, amazing game. Like, Miami was up, uh, I think it was like 16-7 to 7 at some point when I finally checked into the second quarter. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. They were up 16-7, to 7, and then Kent State bounced back to uh, 24-16. You know, getting pretty good. Game goes into overtime. We're going to have to talk about it at some point that the overtime rules in college football are absolutely terrible these days. Uh, it kind of ruined the Iron Bowl for me this year, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Dick Stadium, though, first overtime. Kent State starts with the ball. They get a touchdown, get the kick after. Miami, it only takes them one play to get a touchdown. So beautiful. Love the way Brett Gabbert played up until this two-point conversion where uh sent a couple guys in motion basically had Jake Jack Sorensen and Montre Miller outside one-on-one uh, forced to throw when he really shouldn't have like way too soon of a throw instead of having uh, his tight end cold iron get open after a delayed route. Uh, he just threw an interception or a batted ball. doesn't matter. Incomplete pass, yeah. but it was and that close. Where- we were that close from having Miami be seven, you know, uh, seven and five team going to the Mac championship game. And Kent State being the six and six team, you know, maybe, maybe not going to a bowl game, and us questioning like Sean Lewis's future. Well, I have the bones to pick with like half of what you said. For one, long, more long term future, like, not like I, can, can Sean Lewis okay, be good at Kent? That and something else because we, as we were discussing before the podcast, uh, you the, the route that he throws to Sorensen on that two point conversion, the ball either has to be out immediately or it has to be delayed, like you're saying. Um, the guy crossing um, on the delayed route, um, he can hold a little bit longer, throw it that way. But he'd already made his mind up that he was going to throw to Sorensen. So you don't get to hold, 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 then throw the slant. Yeah. You have to trust that your essentially all American receiver is going to make the play. And if you don't, you can live with it. And they still made, he still made the throw. But, dude, you've thrown the ball 50 times in the game. You don't have to think about this. <laughs> like, trust yeah. yourself. Not it's, the first time he was, he was asked to throw 50 times in a game either. No. Like, like they, did, they did it against Ohio. They did it against uh, – oh, gosh, who else? Somebody else he threw the ball like 50 times against as well. I'm not looking at but, the stats. Yeah. No, no. But the Ohio game was the one that comes to mind just because I watched the whole thing. And, and Gabbert can you know really pile it up it's a far cry from what the offense looked like when he was a freshman mm-hmm. they really look different um the thing that's the same is they don't have a feature back and they still don't they've never seemed to have God, a feature back man, yeah um but they you know hip and hammer and call iron and uh sorts it's a really solid crew that's developed really well this year and it's made their offense better too bad their defense fucking sucks compared to any of the last like five years right yeah like maybe maybe statistically it won't maybe statistically it won't i won't be backed up entirely by this maybe there's some more nuance to it but at at surface value or whatever like right in front of my face i'm looking at that defense and i'm like no, man that if back, that defense was any good this year they would have made the mac title game no that back five lets up too many big plays it's you know and that that's the game you know if you let up too many big plays you're going to lose some games it doesn't matter if you're like there's not like a 
like it's not like how defense like we used to think of defenses you know i don't know like 10 years ago like it's not like a consistent good or bad it's just like how many big plays are you letting up here and there because it's just so hard to find another georgia in the world like there's only one georgia it's um, unreal how good they are defensively this year. <laughs> and to be like consistently good at any side of the ball in this conference is almost impossible. Um, they have a steady heartbeat in like the pass rushing game, but it's it doesn't matter because they're still letting up too many plays over their heads. So yeah. That said, you know, I figured it would have been way bigger of a blowout then for Kent State if Miami was just like, you know, letting all these big plays happen, not just in this Kent State game, but before that, that was a you know that was a problem that I've shared on this podcast too. So I mean, I yeah. want to give credit to Miami where it's due because Miami's offense is not, and it's kind of weird to say this because they just did it. It's not really built to put up almost fifty burgers in games, but they it's did. not, but they do because they've got they players. figured it out. Yeah, like they so, know they don't have those like the running backs that they want to rely on. They don't have those guys. They have like. The same and like Michael Regai just kept getting confused with like two running backs, twenty six and twenty eight, because they wear the same small like small size shirt, and the numbers are so close. But they don't have a big reliable back, you know, in Miami to lean on. And I bet they'd love to have someone that's like five eleven, two thirty to hand off to because they don't want to not run power in the red zone. But they don't run power in the red zone. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I'm looking at like looking at the results from this year. Um, you know, they put up 26 in a loss to Minnesota. Like you obviously have some decent players. If you're scoring 26 on the road at a, at a big 10 team, they didn't do anything really against army. It feels like a million years ago that they beat central and held central to 17 points. That doesn't even like compute in my head and, you know, low scoring game against Eastern. They it was too competitive against Akron. They went a close game against ball state, Ohio. They lose a game. They shouldn't have. And then, you know, tail end of the year, 34 against Bowling Green, 47 last week. And, I mean, there's nothing about these results that scream they belong in the MAC championship game. But I mean, they did beat a Central Michigan team before Central Michigan got really hot, and they've got some good performances in other games. But like, what sticks out to me is, you know, they couldn't manage anything against uh, Eastern, and if they had, yeah. and they should have, they would have been in the MAC title game in all likelihood. Um, you don't know what happens after that, but I mean, because you know, football is always a product of what you did the week before, and a lot of times, so I don't know, like. Miami didn't deserve to be here. And at the start of the season, we all thought Kent State was the best team in the East with like the possibility Miami could be up there. And you know what? Mm-hmm. That's where they were. And Kent State displayed that they were better. I think you know, the East kind of somewhat sh- consistency. I think the East race kind of showed that we in the media know a little bit about what's going on. Like some things are just <laughs> so obvious. We're like, we're not that dumb. Uh, you know, because I think I'm not looking at the polls. I don't really care too much, but I know that it was some sort of order of. Kent State, Miami, Ohio had like first place votes and then not. No, I, like, I never. Agreed no, it that. didn't have never first place votes, long. but it had total points. That's what it was. Uh, and then, you know, Buffalo's down there at five, kind of, you know, Bowling Green kind of mixing things up. Akron, of course, is uh, doo doo. The West is just it's insane. Literally. But to the West, to the West credit, to the West credit. And I don't know when the last time this happened. Every team is bowl eligible. Every team in the West is bowl eligible. Pretty good. That is actually very impressive. That's a very good thing for this side of the division and for the conference as a whole. The East, pick it up, Akron. Uh, the West, living up, living it up. Hopefully Toledo does well against 
check notes. Middle Tennessee in the Bahamas Bowl. First bowl game that was announced. Uh, but overall, I think the Mac's done a pretty good job performance-wise as a football conference. You know, especially for us who are like so insular and just like overly plugged into... Let's see, what was a shit game that happened? Bowling Green over Buffalo? You know what I mean? Like, this is... For games like that and for us to land on the conference championship game that we're about to experience on Saturday, as a whole, I'm very happy with what we saw over the past three, four months. Uh, Caleb, trivia. How many times has there been a uh, a rematch in the MAC title game? Meaning, uh, same season where the two teams in the championship game saw each other in the regular season. Toledo versus uh, uh, who they play? They played uh, uh, Toledo versus BG. Uh, no. So this will be the seventh. This will be the seventh time it's happened since uh, we started doing Mac title games in '97. Most recent was Toledo versus Akron. In 2017, uh, the two scores were basically... I knew the fucking tomatoes. <laughs> the two scores were basically the same. The in-season score, 48-21. Championship game, 45-28. Both in Toledo's favor. 2005, Akron again. Akron played NIU. In September, Akron beat NIU 48-42. But in the MAC championship game, NIU won 31-30. Uh, 2004, the first time the Mac started having these things in Ford Field, it was Miami versus Toledo. Uh, Miami won the first in-season matchup, 23-16, at Jaeger Stadium, and then Toledo won the title game, 35-27. to uh, So, so far, a lot of similar games have happened. Uh, 2003, the year before that, BG-Miami. Uh, Miami won the first one, 33-10, when Bowling Green was ranked. Uh, and then, of course, uh, not at Ford Field yet. We're at Dwight Perry. Uh, this is the last time, I think it's the last time, uh, two MAC teams, nope, not the last time, two MAC teams were ranked in a MAC championship game. Uh, Miami won 49-27. 2000, it was Marshall and Western. Uh, both games were played at Marshall's home stadium. Marshall, Western, rather, won the regular season game 30-10. to and then the championship game, Marshall won 19 to 14. And Marshall versus Western the year before that. Marshall beat Western both times, 31 to 17 and 34 to 30. So there you go. This is the seventh time that uh there's been an in-season matchup or repeat. Rematch? Rematch. That's rematch? the word. Seventh time there's been a rematch. Between teams that saw each other in the regular season and the Mac championship game. And guess what? Every time there's been a rematch at Ford Field, uh, the attendance has, of course, like sucked. The okay, so the MAC championship game attendance for 2003, right? Both teams were, of course, ranked. Uh, the attendance was 24,000, and then the first year of the MAC championship game at Ford Field, it went to 22,000. So we lost a couple thousand there. Um, but 
2005, Akron NIU, the attendance was 15,000 at the Rubber Bowl. Ford Field, the attendance dropped to 12,000. 4,000 more people went to Toledo Akron at the at uh, Infocision than they did at Ford Field. See, you say that, but how many people have ever been to a game at Akron at one time, like the most? Uh, at least 20,000. Really? I mean, at least once. Do you trust those nope. numbers? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going by the numbers. Okay. Listen, I don't have enough time to fact check every attendance number I see. <laughs> okay. Just live with it. Uh, speaking of Akron, I saw something in the news that I don't know if it's official yet. Uh, Kevin Wilson's apparently going to be the new head coach at Akron, or at least they're making a push to make that happen. A former Indiana coach? Yeah, the former uh, coach who, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of players came out and were like, this guy treated us like shit, and if (laughs) if you were hurt, you were treated like dog shit. Um, I don't want that in Akron. I don't care if he's learned his lesson. I just don't want that. Um, You might be wondering, why is he such a piece of shit? I might be asking, how come you didn't know that he was Urban Meyer's friend? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those two things really are one and the same. <laughs> hey, Akron, let's just hire Steve Adazio after this. Let's wait for Colorado State to open up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, that's, it's so funny that like the, the consensus reaction when Adazio was hired is everybody's like, wow, that's a shit hire. And it's proven to be a shit hire. <laughs> yep. Even though he beat Toledo, doesn't matter. Like, yeah, no, when they, when they, they actually started okay. And I'm like, all right, maybe for some reason this kind of works, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold my horses and wait on this a little bit. Cause I feel like he's they're still going to suck. And they do Colorado state sucks. And it was like, that was, what do you knew? Like so many people knew as soon as, soon as they saw that, like, Oh, that's a shit hire. Like all those stories out of Boston college and how much everybody hated him. His former players hated him. Some of his current players hated him. And uh, I really just treated, I... treated people like shit. So yeah, I mean, if you don't win much and you treat your players like shit, like mm, seems like a, not like a good combo. Yeah. And we're talking about Adazio instead of we're Wilson talking about Akron, Akron, who's terrible and is kind of desperate at this point, which is like the worst part. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that all this ends up being like Kevin Wilson trying to like finesse his way into more money at Ohio State and stay as their offensive coordinator. That's what I'm hoping. Maybe, but I mean, let me let me add that um, if you're Akron. You either have to have a, somebody who's proven who's had the program for a long time and I, or had a program in a long time or been in big level football for a long time, and I get that sense that that's what they'd be reaching for with Wilson. But I still say you're low, dude. Like, go – if you could. You, I When I saw that they were looking at Eddie George, I'm like <laughs> everybody loves him. Like, yeah. if, if all it takes is, you know, you do some good recruiting, you bring some good uh, position coaches and recruiters to – the stadium and you get guys you wouldn't normally get. Why not? Uh, no, he is from Philly. The why not could that. be the, the why not could be that, you know, he's not <laughs> good enough to coach there, but I mean, he's coaching a, a technically a division one program now. So, um, yeah. so his first well. year coaching so, though, right? This Tennessee yeah. state job. Let's see. They are yeah. five and six overall three and three in conference play. That's not bad. Yeah, that's fine. And 
but they did they have gone the FCS route before. I don't think these are similar hires in any vein because um, George is the players coach and um, you know Arthur is the guy who they pulled in because it looks like he was like a wonder kid type coach and everybody's reaching for that type of coach now. Um, so many or so many programs and pro teams are trying to reach for the wonderkins type. They some sometimes it works, sometimes it's. Yeah, they should definitely hire Nate from Ted Lasso. I agree. Uh, yeah, Silver Fox. There's a good piece in uh, Vegan Journal that you know whoever takes this job, they got a pretty good roster to build around. They noted that the the entire offensive line is going to be back, and they're all like local kids. Um, so I don't know, man. Like. It's good to know that Tom Arth didn't do the worst job in the world. It's not like the worst, you know, roster. Like, the, that Kanata Mumfield, great surprise for them. Excellent surprise. Really happy for them there. They they had some guys who were decent players. Like, there's that yeah. didn't – that was still the case. So, I still think given, given another year, they would have left a few teams. But if your expectations aren't to become a Mackey's contender by, like, year or what, year four or whatever, then it's really not worth it, is it? Yeah. I mean – I haven't heard one way or another, like, are they going to, is Oscar Rodriguez the interim coach? Is he a candidate? I would love it to be, you know, we need more one, like we need another Mexican in the game. We need a prevalent Mexican head coach. Uh, We as in a member of the Mexicans, me, (laughs) you know, it would be cool. It'd be sweet if he was like the head coach of Akron, because like you said, like the teams, and you said this weeks ago, like the team's not getting worse. Like it's noticeably getting better. They do you still say that, and then they got their shit rocked by Kent State. Whatever. <laughs> that that whole team is graduating, and they're going to be replacing their coach in no time. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess I would just be curious what uh, maybe I mean, Rod- Rodriguez is like the players' coach, like passion type guy, right? With the cool backstory, and that he's like a great person. And so you uh, like his background was that he was with Arth at, at uh, Tennessee Chattanooga as well, um, where he was a linebackers coach there. He was a defensive coordinator at a Division three school where he was like named like uh, assistant coach of the year. I have to imagine because of you know a number of factors, including not only was the defense good, but like his personality won him a lot of favor in the coaching community and whatever. Um, and he's coached at the Ju- at the JUCO level as well and had some success JUCO in Division two and Emporia State's a big name in uh, college football or at the lower level of college football too. So. Um, I don't know. He's coached. He's coached. He did one of those fellowships with uh, the the Bears, and so has that. He's coached some NFL players. He's got enough of a pedigree to like justify it. I think he's well liked enough that he would find a way to like make to fill out the staff pretty well. I don't know how many changes they would they would make to the staff if they hired Rodriguez because a lot of those guys are Ch- Tennessee Chattanooga guys that he was there with already. So he might not want to make a lot of changes. However, he would probably need to know that the culture has to change there. So. I don't know. I, I like the idea of just his personality being – he'd probably instantly become one of the more likable coaches in college football. I don't know if it's what they need, but I don't think I have it. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if there will be a better answer walking into that door right now, you know. And I don't know. Who better to, like – who better knows to fix Akron's problems than someone that's been on the inside for a few years now? And – you, you know, I don't know if there's still going to be a bunch of Chattanooga guys that want to stick around in Akron going into next sure. year. So I can't really say one way or another there. But I don't think Arth is going like Arth is like more than likely going to get another job in football. He's too young and he's, you know, he's, he's oh, smart yeah. enough. He knows his shit. Right. But at the head coaching position, I don't think that's going to happen, especially 
at the FBS level, doubt that's going to happen. Uh, anything lower than that? Sure. But is he going to be able to bring anybody that was on his coaching staff this year down with him? Hell no. Maybe two. You know, that, that it's just not going to happen. So hopefully Rodriguez, I don't know. I'm rooting for him. You know why. I'm rooting for Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, Rod. Oh, Zips. And boom goes the dynamite. 